0: Active FM presents Food, food for Thought with Pastor Kevin and Pastor Vicky Anstin. Radio. radio, 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 radio better, better,
1: better. We're continuing with our series Fructify and um, I really want you to understand that what our sermon is entitled today is incredibly important and that you are free to be able to fructify. I want to say that again to you, you are free to be able to to fructify john 15 verse 16 jesus said you did not choose me but i chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name he may give you i want you just to think about that because last week we spoke about four different types of soil we spoke about these four different types of soil representing four different types of people and the state of their hearts and you either, you're like the wayside where your heart is hard. And you resist everything that comes from the word. And every time you see a, a, a prophetic word from the Lord, the enemy comes and he, he takes it from you because it cannot penetrate. This person never understands the word. And in fact, the Bible says that, um, that when you look at people, that uh, people are blinded by the God of this age, which is the enemy, which is Satan. And so looking at that, what you have to understand and what you have to realize <clears throat> is that we have to apply the blood of Jesus in order for that person to be able to hear, to be able to receive the gospel. <clears throat> the Holy Spirit can come and water that hard ground and soften it. The second type of soil was the rocky soil. And this is where people have received the word with joy, but there are certain decisions that they made which says, you know what, there are these certain things that I'm not going to be prepared to do. I'm not willing to make the sacrifice. I'm not willing to, to make the sacrifice of a disciple. And so what happens is there's, there's a superficiality. The, 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 their faith doesn't grow. There isn't a real depth to their faith. And the moment persecution comes because of the word, then um, their faith dies. So that is the rocky ground. And then the third type was the thorny ground. And that is the person who serves two gods. Now, it's very important to understand that in terms of the person who serves two gods, that um, this person is going to have a tug of war until eventually one of the two gods wins out. And then we spoke about the good soil, which is fruitful. Now, I just want to remind you of Luke 13, verse 6 to 9, which we spoke of last week, which says he spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it and found none. <clears throat> now this certain man that is spoken of in this parable is God. The fig tree is you and me. And we are planted in his vineyard. The vineyard of God is his church, it's in his kingdom. We are planted in the kingdom of God. And when God comes and he says, Right, you've been in my kingdom for a while, you've become a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then then, then what God says is, I'm expecting to find fruit. And he found none. And it says in verse seven. Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, "Look, for three years I've come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground?" And so the master is saying, "Look, I'm not happy to leave people in my kingdom that are not producing fruit. I'm going to cut them down. I'm going to take them out because I want the nutrients to go to those who are fruitful." And then it says, but he answered and said to him, and this is the keeper of the vineyard. And the keeper of the vineyard talks of the leaders in the church, the pastors and the cell leaders and all of those. And notice the keeper of the vineyard doesn't say, yes, he's not serious about his faith, this stupid fig tree. He says, sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. In other words, I will get him to come to life class. I will teach him how to pray. I will work everything in my power so that he has an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I believe that in that, in that time, this, this guy may, may actually produce fruit. And then it says, and if it bears fruit, well, but if not, after that you can cut it down. So I want you just to think about that for a second. There's no reason for any of us to cut anyone out of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord himself will do that work. That's not up to us to do, but it's also a warning to us, is that God expects fruit from us. But if we're the hard ground, if we're the stony ground, if we're the thorny ground, and we don't produce the fruit, then somewhere along the line, the Lord takes us out. And, and we may even think we are taken ourselves out of the kingdom. we are taken ourselves out of the church. we are taken ourselves out of the vision of God. But it's actually the Lord that's taken us out. And the Holy Spirit can come and He can break up the hard ground. He can water it with His love. And, and, and as we've seen with the, with, the, uh, with the amount of rain that we've had here in Johannesburg over the last month or so, the hardest ground becomes soft when there's rain. The Lord can remove the impurities out of any heart if the person will just give themselves over to Him. The Lord will work with anyone who repents and says, you know what? I'm going to embrace the way well of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want you to think about that. You are free to fructify. You are as free as anything because of the blood of Jesus. And so I want you to think about Abraham. Abraham was told, I want you to leave your father's place to a place I will show you. Abraham's father was a guy named Terah. And Terah was too scared to, to go because he was also on his way to the promised land and he stopped. He stopped at a place called Iran and then God comes to Abraham He says, I want you to leave your father and your father's people, your father's customs, and I want you to go to a land and a place that I will show you. And then it says that Abraham left, and he went, except he took Lot with him. We also see that in Abraham's lineage was Jacob, his grandson. And, and, and like us, Jacob faced the pandemic. Jacob's pandemic was Esau, his brother. His brother wanted to kill him because he stole his blessing. He stole the blessing that was his as the firstborn. Jacob himself was a deceiver. He obtained things that weren't his by deception. And he needed an encounter with Almighty God in order to change him. Now many times people get into a new year and they have New Year's resolutions. And the New Year's resolutions don't work because we want to change, but none of us change without an encounter with God. None of us change. Without an encounter with God, you're frustrated. Because God wants to get you back to the place that you were meant to be. And in order to get back to the place you were meant to be, you've got to understand the reason that you were born. And we've spoken a lot about it in the beginning of this year because our theme for the year is to Fructify. Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Listen to the command of God. It comes in the form of a blessing. He said, God blessed them and said, Do you realize as a child of God, God has blessed you already? You are blessed already. And he blessed them and he said, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Now here's the important thing. When God gave Adam this word, when God gave Adam this instruction, Adam himself had not yet sinned. Adam himself was innocent. Adam himself was pure. Adam himself wanted to serve God. And God had placed him in that place to govern. He had placed him in a place where There was not to be a bondage to sin. And therefore, Adam was free to be fruitful. You know, many, many times I speak to people and they tell me, Look, I don't like this vision thing. I want God, but I don't want the vision. And the thing is, what you don't realize is you're saying, No, I don't want the blessing God has given me. And here's the problem. It's not about whether you want it or not. Without an encounter with God, you actually can't have it. It's actually not possible to get it. And so God has created you to be a leader. But you also need to realize that in order to be a leader in the mold that God created, God wants you and He designed you to be an effective leader. But all effective leadership is related to vision. Without vision, you're not an effective leader. And so in becoming an effective leader, you need to understand as well that leaders are going to face daily battles. Every single day when you get up, there are going to be obstacles that you're going to have to overcome. Some of them are tragic. Some of them just smash you and they wind you in the stomach. Other battles are just problems you have to overcome. Sometimes the battle is the fact that if you're the leader, you're not the one who can complain. You cannot afford to complain. You're the one that has to overcome. You're the one that's supposed to bring in the solution. You're the one that's supposed to bring in the hope. And so why can you only be a leader like this when you've had an encounter with God? I want to tell you why. Because if you don't have hope, you cannot pass it around. You can never give people what you do not have. And so as you're sitting here listening to this today, I want to ask you, do you have the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ that one day you will be raised up out of the grave, that not even death will be able to hold you down? In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the things He planned for us long ago. You know that the vision of God was planned for you a long time ago. And one of the things that I've discovered, you know, when we say we don't want the vision of God, we're actually, we've been deceived. And here's the thing about Adam. Before sin, Adam was the pure masterpiece of God. He had everything he needed. And and why did he have everything he needed? Because he was whole. Before sin, Adam was whole he had the character of Christ and then, then, then what came along was the first act of rebellion bam the moment he rebelled Adam lost something which he never realized he was going to lose he lost his ability to be fruitful many people are thinking I don't want the vision of God or church is boring or all sorts of things like that but they don't realize no no When Adam decided, I'm going to eat the fruit God told me not to eat, he lost far more than what he realized. God had warned Adam. He said, in the day you eat of that fruit, you will die. And on the day that Adam ate that fruit, he died, but he didn't die physically. His life carried on for a long period of time. He lived over 900 years. But his spirit died. His spirit died, his spirit was dead, while his soul and his body continued to be alive. Adam, like us, was created by God. He was created by God in three parts. He was, he was given a carnal or an animal nature or his flesh. He had a soul. And the soul provides food. The, the, the soul is the source of food for us. It provides food for the body and for the spirit. And the spirit was his window to connect with God. When your spirit's dead, that window's bricked in. You, you, you've got no connection to God. And the problem was that when Adam sinned, the sin caused the spirit to die. When the spirit dies, the things of God seem foolishness to you. They seem like they're a waste of time. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 says, The scripture tells us, the first man Adam became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life giving spirit. A life giving spirit. I want you to think, what is the Bible talking about when it says that Christ is a life giving spirit? You see, without the spirit, you have no life. Without the spirit, you are dead. That's why you have to drink and do all sorts of stuff. That's why you have to have fun. And, and let me tell you something if the only purpose for your life is to have fun, you know, any fun is only fun while you do it a little bit. The moment you do it a lot, it's no longer fun. It becomes work. And, and, and why does fun seem fun? Why, why do we have so many people yearning for hope, yearning for purpose, yearning for the power of God? Why do they have that problem? They feel like there should be more than this. But there isn't more than this. The problem comes the day Adam sinned. The moment Adam sinned, he was cast into the soulless realm with his sin. He became a living person with a dead spirit. Giving into temptation is something that comes from your soul. Jesus came as a life-giving spirit. When Jesus came... You know the story that Satan came and tempted him. He tempted him and he gave him three temptations. And each time Jesus replied with the words, but the word of God says. When Jesus came down to earth, he came down to earth with the power of the Holy Spirit. Therefore he was able to sustain a life without sin. And Jesus came to restore what Adam had lost. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, you see God coming and looking for Adam. And Adam is hiding. He's afraid. And and you hear God crying, Adam, Adam, where are you? I was hiding because I was naked, Lord. And Jesus came and him and the Father were like this. He was perfectly led by the Spirit. And so Jesus promised before he left, before he was crucified, that he would give us the Holy Spirit. And we, the church today, we have the Holy Spirit. And so we can overcome with the Spirit. When we accept Jesus, He fills us with His Spirit. And when we learn how to get into the spiritual dimension, that's where we overcome. We don't overcome in the natural realm. In Genesis 1 verse 26, it speaks of us. We were created in the image of God. We have the nature of God. We are a three-parted being just like God is. God's got three parts. We've got three parts. We've got a spirit. We've got a soul. We've got a body. And we have the same creative ability that God has. But in order to see that creativity come to pass, we have to learn to tap into a spiritual dimension, the spiritual dimension which is where the creativity of God is. It's not here. Whatever's here on earth has been done. It's same old, same old. No, no, we can get there to where God is. But in order for that to happen, we've got to maintain a permanent relationship with God and to come to the place where we can design like God. Today you're designing a life. And until you can design like God, your life is not going to be what you want it to be. It's going to be less than you want it to be. Now, if you look at God, initially God had to sacrifice animals to cover up Adam's sin. We spoke about this earlier, where the first sacrifice was there when Adam was trying to cover himself with fig leaves and God sacrificed an animal and gave them the clothes of animal skins. The first shedding of the blood. But this sacrifice was a prototype for jesus becoming the lamb of god that would take away the sin of the world This same jesus who came to take away the sin of the world unless you have a real encounter with him you ain't going to change and i want to say this a real encounter with the sacrifice of jesus changes us i want to say it to you again a real encounter with the sacrifice of jesus changes us a real encounter with the sacrifice of Jesus changes us. You know, there was Abraham, and he'd been living around 100 years. God had promised him a son. And he said, through that son you will have so many descendants, that they will be like the stars in the sky and the grains of sand, uh, sand on the seashore. The Bible says that Abraham got so old that his body was rotten with age. He still had no son finally the sun comes hallelujah praise the lord praise the lord my boy isaac is here bam he's singing he's singing for what about 12 years and god comes to him and says abraham i want you to go to this mountain and i want you to sacrifice the son of the promise abraham i want you to take him i want you to take wood and stones I want you to tie him to that altar and I want you to slaughter him and I want you to sacrifice him as an offering to me. God told him to sacrifice the son of the promise. Can you not see that would have been a major problem for Abraham? But Abraham did not argue that, but God, this is the son of the promise. How in the world can you do this? We don't see anywhere in the bible where him arguing with god he just immediately obeyed god there they are they're walking and he's taking him to mount moriah obedient to god <clears throat> they got the servants they get to the foot and um abram tells the other servants and it's just that they must wait there, and it's just him and isaac now going up the mountain and and isaac's also obedient because on the way up, we see Isaac. He's saying, "Father, I see the wood. I see the fire. I see the wood for the fire. I, I I see everything, but but where's the sacrifice? Where Where is the sacrifice?" Abraham looks around, and maybe God gave him the words. He says, "Look, Jehovah Jireh will provide. My God will provide. My son." God will supply. When he's about to sacrifice Isaac, he's tied Isaac there. Now, Isaac at this stage, I mean, Abraham is old, man. I'm sure Isaac could have bopped him on the nose run away. He allows himself to be tied onto the altar. I mean, that's very weird. Your father's tying you to an altar, and next thing you see, your father bringing up a knife, and he's about to plunge it into you. And yet he's obedient, even when he doesn't understand what's going on. But when Abraham's about to sacrifice Isaac, God stops him. And he provides a ram. Now, God never does anything like this for stupid reasons. He was testing Abraham's heart. What is God asking you to give up today? God was about to, test, to teach Abraham how he was going to remove all of our sin with one sacrifice. He was showing Abraham the sacrifice that Jesus was going to make. And he said, now that you're prepared to sacrifice your son, your only son. Now what does the gospel of John say about Jesus? Here is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. The only begotten son. Three days as they were going to Mount Moriah, Isaac was dead to him. And Jesus would be dead for three days. But like Isaac, he would rise up from the sacrifice. But not being replaced, Jesus was the sacrifice and he was raised from the grave. And because of Abraham's obedience, if you look at the major religions of the world today Islam, Christianity, and Ju- Judaism they all come from Abraham. Because Abraham was obedient, in Isaac were all of Isaac's descendants. And the Bible speaks about God as follows. He says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I am. You know, like he said to Moses, when Moses says, well, now when I go and tell them what your name is, what shall I tell them? He says, I am. I am that I am has sent you. So first of all, he says, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But notice he doesn't say, I was. He says, I am. And what? what, what does he mean when he says that? He says they're still alive. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are still alive. They're living with me today in glory. That's why the church is the only place where you can get hope beyond the grave. Where else do you find it? There's nowhere else to find it. You're not going to change to believe this without an encounter with Jesus. And I'm not just talking about going on an encounter weekend. I'm talking about where you have a real encounter with Jesus. And this is why when we talk about the life class, the life class is opening on Thursday. It's so important that you get involved with the life class. That you... You sit there with your leader and you go through the devotions. You learn how to connect with God yourself. And you prepare yourself so that when we have the encounter, you will have an encounter with God. Because the day in which you have an encounter with Almighty God, you will change in Jesus' name. You will never be the same again. But you've got to have an encounter. You've got to be connected with Him. Listen, when you connect with God, you change. How you see the world changes. Everything changes so often we talk about the crucifixion but the crucifixion is powerless without the resurrection just think about this imagine you were a follower of Jesus you're walking with Jesus for like about three and a half years he is the Messiah, the king of the Jews the one who's come to redeem Israel hallelujah, Jesus is going to be king We, one of the twelve, Jesus is going to be king. Yes. We're going to get political power. And Jesus says, the kingdom I've come to bring, you know nothing about. I've come to bring an eternal kingdom. I'm going to be crucified, guys. No, Jesus, Peter says, stop it, man. Stop talking so negatively. Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Don't mess with my purpose. Because if I don't die, you're going to hell. You don't know what you're saying. You don't have insight into what you're saying. Imagine now being there on the day when Jesus died. Oh, he's going to be the king. He's going to overthrow the Roman authorities. We're going to be liberated. It's going to be like Jesus and the ANC. The people are free. We're free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty. We're free at last. Amen. The Caesar of Rome is going to be out of here. And we're going to be his special advisors. We're going to rule with him. He's going to do everything through us. Do I want my chariot made of gold, silver, or platinum? And we're busy talking, and then and then we're arguing, and... Um, Who's going to sit next to Jesus? Uh, Judas, uh, you're going to be outside, but. Matthew, no, no, you'll be right. you were a dirty, rotten tax collector, but you're going to be right on the side. But don't worry, you'll be in the picture. Eh? What they didn't realize, the picture is going to be the Last Supper where Jesus says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And I've come to bring a kingdom that's not the kingdom of this world but it's a kingdom that lasts beyond the day you die because you're going to die you will rule and reign with me forever oh yes and by the way guys before Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and all of them were I am and I'm still their God because they're still alive so two things I want to say to you the first is get on the life class get on the life class if you haven't been make sure you get onto the encounter it's only going to be a hundred grand you're going to get the life class book with it as part of it get on the life class I, I am so set on the life class because I really believe that unless you have a relationship with God you ain't going anywhere all you're going to do is live and live and get older and older and One day for those of you that are young, you'll also be 50. Maybe 70. Maybe if you're lucky, 90. And then, people cry at your funeral, now what? But when you really know Jesus and you've had an encounter with him, it doesn't matter. But you know, I also want to say to you that right now today, You have the opportunity to give your life to Jesus. You see, once you've given your life to Jesus, you can learn how to move in the spiritual dimension, how to walk with Him and to talk with Him in your everyday life. But you can't get there to start learning that until you've accepted, hey, you know what? I've messed up. That sin that Adam did, I've done. I've messed things up just as much as Adam. My spirit's just as dead as what Adam's became and i've made decisions that have hurt my life because i couldn't see because the window to god my window to heaven was closed and then you're sitting there thinking but now how do i get back to god and and the answer is well look the answer is surprisingly easy because romans 10 8 and 9 says and we speak about this verse almost every week but what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So, so you're saying, what do, you, what do you mean it's near me, in my mouth and in my heart? Well, he goes on and explains in verse 9. What does in my mouth mean? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. In other words, if you confess, you say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I have no hope. My spirit's already dead, but my body's going to die too. And I'm going to spend somewhere in eternity. And I have no hope of being saved. Because in order to get into eternity with the Father, I have to stand there without sin. And I've sinned. I can't do anything about it. I'm stained with sin. And then you say, Jesus, please save me. Please be my Savior. I I give my life to you. Please just save me. That is what that's saying. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And the second part is, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. So you believe in your heart. That thing that I spoke about, the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. What, what do you mean, the, what, what do you mean he, he rose? Bunch of stories, man. No, no. He rose from the grave. They try to cover it up. They tried really hard to cover it up. He rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. And if you accept it. If you accept that as true that's what it means to believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you accept it as true without question you don't care who writes what you don't care what professor says you came from the monkeys you don't care what scientist says yeah you and this single cellular organism you are like that's you you you, yeah you You go look at them and sing, we are family. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter how academic the evidence seems to be. You don't accept it. Because the reality is they don't know. They weren't there. They're guessing. Just like the rest of us. He do not tell me you can tell where everything came from by looking at a bone. You want to know what happened in the past you can't tell what happened in the past by looking at a bone you can look at the bone and you can you can make some assumptions and you can try and figure out a story but you don't know you weren't an eyewitness but jesus says if you will believe that god the father raised me from the dead you can have an encounter with me and you will know you will know Because it will be spiritually downloaded to you. So my question to you is, as you're sitting here, maybe you think you're not good enough for God. That's exactly why Jesus had to die for you. You aren't good enough for God. But He will make you righteous. He will make it as if you've never sinned. He will justify you. Maybe you're sitting there and you've heard the message of the Lord today and the Lord's been speaking, but He's giving you this warning. He's saying, that feeling you have has been me speaking to you. I've been been using the word to speak into your spirit, to speak into your soul. But if you don't give your life today, you never will. Today is the day of your salvation. If you don't give it today, something will shut down and you'll never have this opportunity again. Or maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, no, I don't know, maybe I must wait for tomorrow. But do you know if you're going to have tomorrow? You don't know if today could be your last day. Some people woke up this morning had plans for Friday, this coming Friday and they died unexpectedly if you were to die today would you be ready for God maybe you're just sitting there thinking I'm I'm a waste of time and a waste of space and God says nah you're not I have an eternal purpose that is so great for your life that I send my son to die for you and I have a love for you that what well, makes Valentine's Day look like a joke if you give your life to me you will have eternal purpose I want you to close your eyes and I want you to really think about the word that we've been looking at today because today your eternal destiny is at stake and some of you are struggling no no I'll pray later Give me some time to think about this. And God's saying, No, come to the altar right now. Because this altar sanctifies everything. What have you got to lose? You've got to what you've got to lose is a life you're going to lose anyway. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're saying, Lord, this is the time. Lord, I want to commit to you now. Lord, I'm here. I want to submit my life completely to you right now because I know that I need you. I know that if I don't give my life to you, I won't make it. And Lord, I'm coming to you because I realize without you, I'm going to live eternity far from you, but I don't want to live eternity far from you. I want to live close to you from this day forward, that when death comes knocking, when it comes time for me to die, it won't affect me, because I know I'll be with you for eternity. I want to know deep down in my soul, in the depths of my soul, you're saying, I want to know that I have hope beyond the time when they put me in the grave. I want to know that my death won't affect me because I'll be with you forever in eternity. I want to be ready for the most important date of my life. The date which your word declares, it's appointed for all of us to die. And then to face judgment. Lord, I want to face judgment with the the blood of your son, Jesus. If you're in a public place, like on transport or at work or some place, just put your right hand on your heart right now. And those of you who are not yet, please send an email after the service to info at the activechurch.org. That's info at theactivechurch.org. And just say in the subject line, I've given my life to Jesus today. Or I've recommitted my life to Jesus today. And just put your contact number so that we can contact you. Now I'm going to ask everyone to put your right hand on your heart. And I want you to visualize Jesus dying on the cross for you and I want you to see the blood that's being shed destroying the work of the enemy of your life just smashing it to smithereens all of your sin, all of your rebellion every part of it being smashed all of the sins that have been committed against you all of the curses that you've seen your nation, your family, everyone under, even maybe you felt you've been cursed it's being smashed right now by the blood of Jesus you're putting your faith in Jesus and that Jesus is alive alive this Jesus who died over 2,000 years ago for you, he's alive and he's with you right now. And that blood that he shed is the price that he paid for you on Calvary. And that's why you'd be free to fructify. And someone asked you to repeat after me and make this commitment and really believe what you're saying. Say, Lord Jesus, did I recognize that I'm a sinner. I repent of everything I've done wrong. I renounce my life of sin and I accept your sacrifice because it was the it was the price you paid for my redemption. Today, Lord, I accept the blood of your wounded body that it would wash away all my rebellion and all my sin that you'd set me free from any sickness and pain. And I accept that my debt has been paid. I have no outstanding balance with you, God. Because Jesus paid it all. You paid it for me on Calvary, Jesus. And I accept that by your blood, Jesus, I'm justified. And that you and the Father see me as I've never sinned. And that by your blood I'm sanctified. And you have chosen me to serve you i'm willing to serve you and so today i open the door of my heart and i ask you to come in as my lord and savior thank you for saving me and giving me eternal life thank you jesus amen